All right, welcome back in part two of the damn podcast spring football recap. Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com. And we were joined yet again with Marcus Greaves, BeaverBlitz.com, and 1080 The Fan as well. You, you're kind of the best of both worlds here, buddy. Yeah, I know, man. I'm, you know, I'm just living life out here, doing you, it both. You still haven't bought uh, Angie Aria. Thank you card, but you know, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll joke aside. So we talked about quarterbacks. We talked about... Offensive philosophy, um, what you guys liked about spring football, what you saw, etc. Before we dive into anything else that we didn't get to from the last podcast in part one, which by the way, check out on our SoundCloud or subscribe here on iTunes, and you can and you can find that. I, I think we kind of have to start with the <laughs> obvious here: uh, Oregon State caught cheating in recruiting. Uh, are we going to admit this, or are we going to say this was a clerical error? Well, I'm going to start with you, Angie. I think it's ridiculous. I mean, I, I, saw, I was in Nashville this past week, and when that popped up, I, I kind of laughed at first. My, my first thought, and I'm going to be completely honest here, and this is not me being, like, Angie Sportswriter. This is me like, dude, Rolovich, what a jackass move. <laughs> and if I'm, if I'm cheating at Oregon State, I'm not sending a spring game invite to some Hawaii players. I'm sending it to Jalen Hurts, and I'm not doing that. I'm trying to find something a little better than a slick poster saying, come to my spring game. <laughs> so you didn't like the move by Rolovich to throw it out there. I, I mean, you know, what it, you know what it did? It got um, social media abuzz talking about two teams that were nowhere near anyone's even vision. This is at true. That point in time, you know what else it did? Uh, unfortunately, Oregon State now is probably going to have to answer to NCAA compliance. Instead of a phone call where he could have said, "Hey, uh, you know, you guys have never done this to us before. What, what happened here?" He had to put it on social media and tag NCAA compliance, Pac-12 compliance, etc. And Lavar Bell. And what? Yeah. What was? Yeah. Why was Lavar Ball tagged in that? Or Lavar Ball? Yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't quite understand that. Okay. So, Marcus, before I get your thought on it, here's what I said on my radio show. Do I think it was a clerical error? Absolutely. Uh, I think stuff like this can happen from time to time. Here's where I get confused. I get that maybe you have a database with these kids' names and. You're not checking up on... There's so many kids. Like, how can you really follow who is still in high school, who's out? So you have a database, right? So you put these kids' names that you try to recruit or you wanted to recruit down, and the database fills it in. Here's the kid's name. What I don't get is, how can you slip up so bad with the address, clerically, that it goes to the Hawaii Athletic Department? I don't understand how that part happens. That's the part that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, the whole thing, like, once I seen that, I was like, all right, well, like you said, it could have been an error. And at that point, I was like, okay, you know, I'll cut him some slack. But then Oregon State has, you, you know, some of their coaches used to coach at Hawaii. So you're like, three coaches. Yeah, so you're like, well, Hawaii. then. <laughs> so what happened then? Because, Marcus, you lived in New York once upon a time, right? And then yeah. you moved to Oregon. It'd be one thing if I said, I want to recruit Marcus Greaves and sent Marcus Greaves, Brooklyn, New York. And it's the wrong address. Yeah. It's another to send, I want Marcus Greaves, Oregon State University <laughs> Athletic Department. That I mean, that's, we got to yeah. admit, look, it, was, it, was it a cleric? It probably was a big error, no doubt about it. And I don't disagree with you, Angie, on him doing the tweet. But what I don't understand, and I like Oregon State's response <laughs> to this, how do you send that to an athletic department? Even if it's just by computer filling out an address... Nobody sees that it's going to another athletic department. That's the part that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, the whole thing just kind of doesn't make any sense to me. And at the end of the day, I mean, if Oregon State was cheating, right, like recruiting violations, whatever that may be, I mean, everyone does it. Let's be real. I mean, whether people want to admit it or not, everyone does it in some way. I'm sure they're to a certain extent. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but... Oregon State, don't be going and poaching Hawaii. Yeah, don't poach Hawaii. Go, go poach someone else. Yeah, go, well, go take Jalen someone Hurts else. Is like top of my list right now. You want Jalen Hurts? In care of Alabama athletics. Yeah, go, <laughs> go, yeah, go to send. But if I'm doing that, I'm sending like the the life size poster. I'm not sending a, a glossy come to my spring game. Right. Yeah, right. And that's why that's why I think it was kind of an error, just because, like Angie said. I'm going to be 100% honest. If I'm Oregon State's coaching staff, I'm not sending that to Hawaii. Well, you're embarrassed by it right now. I mean, there's no yeah. doubt about it, right? Because yeah. people are jokingly pointing out what we're saying. Why are you recruiting Hawaii players and not? <laughs> and then, you know, somebody actually, uh, somebody had texted into my radio show and I responded on the air. 
Well, their record was better than ours last year, so Ooh, you know it's not that's like true. Um, but all jokes aside, that is you know, my, my only thing that I actually I was on a flight long flight home last night. And the yeah. only thing that came to my mind is, you know, recruits can get online and like fill out the little questionnaire, like recruit me. Okay. I mean, I guess my my thought maybe somebody filled that out and put that address and in. put Hawaii Athletic. I mean, Department and there's address. a lot of mailing going out. You usually have a student worker; they're yeah. not going to sit there and go through every, you know. Address. Can I give you a hot take too? Um, we have somebody that works at the fan that said when he was an intern at Oregon, his job as a sports intern was to do those, to mail out mm-hmm. the recruiting letters. And he was like, Yeah, I mean, this is a clerical error and somebody will lose their gig. I actually would like this. I'd like them to find out who it was, talk to him more about the process of evaluating sent mail. And how about not fire him? You know what I mean? Like yeah. that guy's, that person's probably, man or woman, is probably working for free. It's probably credit. They are for sure a student intern. Yeah. Like let's not fire him. Let's teach them a lesson that you made a mistake. The coach. And who, who, I the, mean, we're all adults here. We've all made a mistake right. in business. Like, I mean, not like me. Like, oh, Come on. But that's well, not, not like <laughs> most places. That's not real life, though, that you make a mistake. And by, by the way, I know the tweet went viral it's a little mistake. It's not that big of a deal, especially yeah. once Oregon State coaches talk about it. So just slap them on the wrist and say, you need to be more careful. We need to be more thorough as a program and let them yeah. keep their gig. I hope nobody gets fired because the coaches are so embarrassed by a stupid tweet from a football coach on an island. Yeah. The, the best response I saw, and it cracked me up, and I don't, don't remember if it was in the Lodge of Beaver Blitz oh, or if it was on Twitter, uh-huh. it was like, Oregon State should just self-report and say, we're going to go ahead and vacate our last six our last six games. <laughs> oh, wait, we don't have wins. Uh, yeah, we'll vacate our last three bowl wins uh, yeah. the last three years. Is that okay? Is that a big deal? Um, yeah, so we're, we're basically kind of in agreement, not a big deal. Not no, a big deal. Not a big deal. By the way, I have no shame in saying this, and I'm not just saying this to make you laugh. We we should be trying to cheat more often. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to go to a bowl game. I'm tired of this yeah. crap. Like, if you get caught once in a while, maybe doing something like this, like Angie's saying, just send them more to the Roll Tide or War Eagle or <laughs> any school that's like substantially better than you in football. And even then, my, when just I was a go. college student and I was there during Pettibone years, you know really, really bad, dark times for oh, Oregon yeah. State football. Oh, yeah. That was like my, my joking, like, what, just do some recruiting violations. So by the time they figure it out, you you know, you get in a little trouble. But by that point, your program's turned around and you suffer a year or two, and then you're back rolling again. Yeah, definitely. And even when I was being recruited out of high school, like, come on, like this, sending, sending <laughs> like Andy said, the little the little booklet, come to our spring game. Yeah. Like if that's if that's a violation then yeah, I mean, if I really wanted to rat everybody out I could, but right. I won't. Right. But I mean, there was a lot worse. Oh, <laughs> there was a yeah. lot worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard little stories from uh players back in the day, but you know, like you mentioned Marcus, this is something that's pretty common. Um all right, so it goes viral. Everybody's talking about Oregon State. They sent a, you know, a press release basically saying we're we're going to investigate it. Um let me ask you this though. Is this help them at all in recruiting? It created a little buzz. Yeah, it did, didn't it? They didn't it? have any buzz. They didn't have any buzz Thursday. I don't. I don't. Nobody even was know talking about Oregon State. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, you you mentioned that Angie. Uh, it did get two programs out there, mainly Oregon State, because nobody cares about Hawaii. And no, uh, I mean, I love to visit Hawaii, but no, I don't. I forget they have a football team ninety percent of the time. I didn't even know the coach was Rolovich. I thought it was still June Jones. <laughs> Um, so I think it, you know, Oregon State, are they going to see this big increase in recruiting? I mean, no, but no. as you mentioned, nobody was talking about Oregon State on Thursday. Shows a little effort. I right. Like I mean, that. there's something out there like, hey, they're I willing mean, some, to go out and live. Buzz, whether it's good or bad, it's some buzz. Well, or, you know, how's the saying, you know, some pub, or, you know, good publicity. Any pub, publicity. yeah, any pub any is good pub. Yeah. Um, they had 90 recruits at the spring game. Now, I know that number can maybe be inflated, varying on maybe where the, some of those players rank, but they had a big weekend for recruiting, and we didn't get to that in the last podcast, and boy, we would be mistaken to have Angie Machado on a podcast and not bring up recruiting, or Marcus, who used to play at Oregon State. What what did that weekend mean for them in recruiting, and where are they at right now for, for people that maybe haven't followed it and haven't quite joined BeaverBlitz.com yet? So, 
you know, Oregon State did have um, two commits. They have two commits right now on the board, and both those guys were in Corvallis. They're both local players. Um, Kelson Hennessy, a D-tackle from um, up in the Portland area, and then Anthony Gould, an, an athlete wide receiver out of West Salem, were both in attendance. And it's been really, really interesting. So I've done this now 12 years, and you hear fans, and they want commits, okay? I get it. Everybody wants commits. But you need to have the right commits. And when I looked at that visitor list that was at in Corvallis, there were some, some guys that are Pac-12 players, but the vast majority were not. And I'm still, you know, if I, I had this discussion on Beaver Blitz when people were like, where are the commits? Where are the commits? We had all these visitors. And it's like, you know, 95% of those kids didn't even have offers. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you don't want to settle for those guys right now when they potentially could be walk-on candidates. You're just really trying to build some relationships. You're um, showing your program that lots of those guys were 2020, 2021 visitors. Um, so the commitment, as far as those are going, um, you know, I, those same people that are complaining there was no commitments from the spring football game, junior day, um, would be the same people complaining that, well, why did Oregon State just get this unranked no-star? Right, so, right. Um, it, it's a catch-22, and right now where Oregon State's at is they're really in that position of just building those relationships with players they are evaluating. But, you know, Oregon State is not – I mean, they went 1-11 last year with their big win coming, a three-point win against Portland State. They probably should have lost that game, too. They and they should've. probably should have lost that game. So, yeah. I mean, you know, for the, you, you need to find Pac-12 talent – and a lot of times for Oregon State right now, the best move is to wait because you're going to have some domino effects of guys that maybe committed elsewhere, but then those guys, you know, the schools get higher rated, so they trickle down. Um, it's not a time to, like, run out, panic, and, you know, it's really a down year in the state of Oregon as well. So, um, you know, but building those relationships, and um, that's that's what Oregon State did this weekend. Um, the thing I want I wanted to pick up on was – the recruiting situation and how people evaluate that and where they're at right now, is it better than Gary Anderson? I'm not saying that this is a disappointment. I'm not, I'm not going to be the guy that measures that out. You would be well-equipped to do that for us, Angie, because you, you've been following this for so long. But how is it different from Gary Anderson recruiting? Because I feel like I used to hear kind of the same rumblings or you know little blurbs here and there from some fans of like, where are we at right now? Why is it not picking up? How is it different for this coaching staff and recruiting? You know, it's, it's Oregon State just is not one of those programs that's going to get guys early, you know, until they start winning some more games and, and become more of a, a destination, a hot, you know, a sexy destination for these guys. It's more of a, you know, Oregon State just needs to keep building that relationship. Um, they're pretty much kind of where, I mean, Coach Riley was, where Gary Anderson, it wasn't like Oregon State had a full class by, you know, June. That's that's never been the case for Oregon State since I've been doing this. So, can, can you project um, out how many players they're going to need in the next recruiting class, or is that too is it too early for that? No, I you know I see. I mean, the, the senior class isn't is is not super large, but there's always attrition. Um, you know, new coaching staffs are going to you know there's going to be guys that just feel like it's not a good fit. Yeah, I I still say this is going to be a, a pretty full class. It's going to be a, a twenty to twenty five person class. Marcus. Um, as a guy that was recruited by Mike Riley and then you played for Gary Anderson, what um, what did you notice was the biggest difference for them? What was their shift when they came in and they had to focus on things, right? And he had his press conference and he, he wins the press conference, everybody's excited. Do you think he was keyed more on recruiting or was it about what he was doing in the building? And I know that's a, maybe a tough question to answer um, from your perspective, but I'm just I, I'm just curious where he was and then maybe like where Jonathan Smith is, because Angie's right. This is a one eleven program. Uh, it's not flashy. It's not sexy. They have a lot to earn in reputation from this coming season and the next year to start getting into those recruiting conversations more and more. What where where's Gary Anderson's focus for you? And did you notice it? I think I think recruiting was definitely his focus. I'm going to say, like the biggest difference between, you know, Coach Smith's staff and coach Anderson staff is when you look at it I mean at the end of the day <laughs> I mean it was the same thing with coach Riley right like with coach Riley coach Riley would show up to your house and you're like who is it like I mean I obviously knew who he was but you know you got to think about these kids from you know Florida from LA when they have some you know old dude just walk into their you know in the, into a rougher neighborhood and they're like who is this guy but mm-hmm. it's the fact that coach Riley would do that and I feel like with coach Anderson it's more of he's so stern he's so upfront, and he's not how do you how do I put this? He's not like he's not a super outgoing guy. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. And so when you look at the recruiting, like I'm gonna be 100 percent honest. If Coach A came to my house and sat down with me, I don't think that I would 
be super into it. I would be like, okay, maybe Oregon State isn't the place for me. Right, right. But that's what you have to look at, just like you guys were saying. I mean, Oregon State isn't the place that every player wants to go to. You know, like there, it's not like that is my destination. That's where I have to go. You got to earn that commitment. Yeah, and and that's the thing. You have to earn it. You have to build a relationship, and that's why you know having all these players here is a good thing because you know even if you know some of the guys weren't seniors that showed up. Um, I mean, that's what it is. People develop into way better players. I yeah. mean, that's just how it is. That's what college football is, is development. And um, I think Coach Smith and his staff right now are doing the right things just for the fact that they're building those relationships. Because, you know, Coach Smith is a quiet guy. You know, he's kind of goofy. He's kind of he, he's kind of just, I don't know, he's just a goofier guy. But I feel like when I have had a conversation with him, you can tell that he has a passion that he, you know, he wants to win. You can tell Coach A had the passion too. But it's just, you know, it's just different personalities click with di- with different people. But I feel like the staff, each one of them brings something different. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a chance to talk to some of the uh, coaches and, you know, the running back coach's name, I, I'm i losing Coach it. Petrie. Yes. I mean, I had a chance just to talk with him and I was like, dang, like if that guy came to my house, yeah. I, I would, yeah, I would be like definitely Oregon State is, you know, I'm interested in Oregon State. Yeah. And so I feel like they're, they're doing the right thing and they can connect with the players a lot better than Coach Anderson's staff could, honestly. When you talk to recruits, Angie, um, do you feel like you're hearing a different message from them? Or, Yeah, you know, the thing that really stands out that I've heard is just how sincere the coaches are and their passion. And you know, I think that was Jonathan when he interviewed for this job. That was something that he tried to, to come across was that he has a passion for this place. He's played here. He knows he, he's, you know, he's, and he said this time and time again about, you know, going to the same the classes and the buildings and the, but um, that comes across. And, and Oregon State will. They'll, they'll get, you know, a high three-star, a four-star this year, mark my words, because of a kid that just, it resonates with them, right? You know, the, the, they just, they like it. They like the feel. They like the family atmosphere. They, um, you know, Coach Smith is, he's, Real and that's being in Nashville with all the twenty four seven publishers. I was able to spend time with the Washington guys, mm-hmm. who you know got to know you know Jonathan and hearing from them. You know they're like, yeah, he's not the best you know press conference, but it, and then talking about what he's brought as far as practices, they said that's total Coach Peterson mold, and he's just that Coach Peterson my way. This is how we're going to do it, and um, but he's sincere about it, and you can see his passion, and you know it. I mean, the, the Washington guys could not say enough good about Jonathan Smith and, yeah. you know, be coming to Oregon State. Um, uh, you mentioned how there were a lot of kids in that recruiting weekend that didn't even, they weren't even ranked. They are no stars. They might be walk-on players. What were the big hitters that were there, if any? You know, there's a couple guys from Southern California. Uh, Ryan Frankie's one I'm watching, a linebacker out of uh, Westlake Village, Oaks Christian, which um, that's always been a really strong program. Um, he has an Oregon State is his first Power Five offer, and he loved everything about Oregon State. So um, his brother plays at Colorado, so you know has Pac-12 bloodlines, and um, just he loved the campus, he loved the coaches. Uh, talking with him, you know, he said, "Hey, you know, I, I really would like to make a decision before before uh, summer or before." the season starts. So mm-hmm. um, definitely he's one to keep an eye on. Now, you know, this is the busy, busy time for these guys because these guys are heading to camps. There's all the big mega camps with coaches from all over, you know, schools coming into, you know, one school to watch guys. Um, May gets crazy because offers are going to start piling up and it can kind of muddy the waters. But right now, uh, like Ryan Frankie is probably, you know, one guy that I'm, I'm watching closer than any. And then a couple of the younger guys that were there, like I, I think I said this maybe a week ago or last, the last pod, but Junior Walling is a local kid out of McNary, 2020. That kid, so Salem, McNary, that kid is impressive. I'm blown away by that kid. So he uh, visited Oregon State, got an offer on his unofficial visit, and his dad played at Oregon State for Craig Thorpe and Pettibone. Uh, And then he was back. And, again, just that relationship, keeping those ties open, um, you know, building those relationships with the in-state programs is is big. They also had um, John Miller from another 2020 kid out of Tualatin, Definitely a big play, big time player to watch. But right now, it looks like 2020 is is a is a more stacked Oregon talent as far as talent goes in Oregon than 2019. So to keep those kids coming, um, get them in, it, it was big for Oregon State. Um, I, is this a rec- is it a recruiting violation to have alums talk to recruits on a weekend? Yeah, it's supposed to be incidental contact. So, like, if so, Brandon Cooks is roaming the sidelines, he's supposed to, uh, there's, like, incidental contact he could have yes, with some of yes. these recruits? 
Yes, it's a very gray area, but Oregon State used to be a lot more conservative about it. Uh-huh. And then, you know, you'd, you know, you start reading, like, the Oregon visitors, and, you know, somehow they always seem to manage to bump into Phil Knight, who somehow started talking about jobs at Oregon once you graduate, <laughs> or at Nike. Yeah, it was crazy. Or all the, you know, but... No, Brandon Cooks did bump into some guys. I know Anthony Gould, the wide receiver commit, that was like the highlight of his whole trip was being able to say hi to Brandon Cooks and, and see him. So Yeah, we need to, uh, I, you know, I, and I guarantee, by the way, Oregon is not the only program that's doing this. Like, it's nice to have the booster there saying, hey, you got a job guaranteed if you go here. But they're not the only program that's sending out big name people to talk to recruits. And that's where we need to be more sloppy beavers. We need yes. to be having... The Steven Jacksons, we need to have the Brandon Cooks, the Matt Moores, the Derek Andersons, the whoever the hell is in town visiting, they need to be more uh, vigilant of having those individuals talk to these recruits and sell Oregon State as a program. Definitely. I mean, yeah. that's what happened That's what happened with me because I remember, I, you know, I just went and um, I took an unofficial to Oregon State and I went, I think it was with my brother. By the way, what, what is the difference? Unofficial visits are paid for by the student-athlete. So that is a, you know, hey, like Marcus would call Oregon State and say, hey, I'd like to come check out your school. I'm gotcha. Be oh, okay, okay. But, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but there's no yeah. difference in the Oregon actual visit. Like yes. what you do, Oregon there's State no pays difference. for the official visit. They pay for the food. They pay for the lodging. Uh, so there's no difference, though, yeah. on your experience with them, though. Like the weekend or the day is basically the same thing. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it depends how long you're there. But, you know, on an official visit, you're there for, for two days, yeah. just 48 hours. And, you know, you have a host and you... Whereas an unofficial, usually a guy will come in, they'll meet with coaches, they'll get a tour, they'll, you know, that kind of thing. Well, that's the thing I had. I mean, even it was it was Storm Woods at the time, and everyone knew, you know, Storm Woods was, you know, like the face of Oregon State. And so, you know, out of high school, when I got the chance just to go to check out Oregon State and I met him, I was like, whoa, like, this is big time for me at least, you know, mm-hmm. just because he's the face of Oregon State. And so I seen him, I seen Brandon Cooks, and I was like, geez. And, like, they just, you know, they sat down and talked to me for, like, it was only, like, five minutes. Storm doesn't even remember this every time I bring it up to him. He doesn't remember. But, right. <laughs> but I mean, that stuff like that really, you know, really changes, you know, how a player thinks. Because after that, I was like, wow, Oregon State's a place I could be. Right. And, you know, you and I have had some, you know, off-the-mic talks about when I took a visit to, you know, Oregon and, like, all these other places. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, yeah, they have, the, like, they have those kind of players that do that, but it's more of, you know, it's just, like, the flashy stuff. Like I said, you walk into the locker room and it looks like a spaceship. Right, and right. So, you know, I had five, six guys commit on the spot compared to Oregon State where you weren't going to be wowed by that, but you need to have players like like Brandon Cook, Steven Jackson there because that, you know, that, that I mean, that makes a big difference whether you think it does or not. Yeah, know? I mean, because, you know, uh, a school like Oregon can tout the Nike career or going pro or whatever. Yeah. And I think a school like Oregon State, and we know the difference between the two programs and where they're at, but uh, I think in Oregon State, I mean, I don't know if anything resonates more. Like, people talk about Nick Saban, right, and how great he is. Uh, I, I don't think people go to Alabama because of national championships. I think that's great. I don't think that's why they do it. Yeah. You know what they go to Alabama for? <laughs> It's because he just had more players recruited in this year's draft than Duke has in the last century. That's ridiculous. In one draft. (laughs) So, you know, Alabama will get you to the NFL. Yeah. There hasn't been a recruiting class of his that hasn't won a national championship since he's been there. Uh, And the percentage of players that he's putting in versus, I don't know, you could combine a handful of Pac-12 schools and say he gets more. That's the selling point, right? It's, It's the dream of getting you out of... Any predicament, whether it's the trailer park, the hood, whatever, getting you out of that situation and saying, I can go make a living doing this, or I can sell the kid on it and he'll be good, but he won't be NFL ready, but he'll still get hooked up with a career of some sort. That's what Nick Saban can show off. And I think that's what Nick Saban, I can guarantee, is not sending um, spring game invites to Hawaii. Right. (laughs) Right. I, I think Nick Saban doesn't need to be sending invites to any program, but that's what Oregon State could do. Right, that's how they can stand out for themselves. They're not going to change very much of like, oh, now they're nabbing five-star players. I would love that. But man, if you could get a Brandon Cooks, who if you stood next to him, you'd go, oh, athletic dude. And then you see him on the field and you're like, wow, next level athleticism that you just do not see. Yeah, He's not the most like, oh my God, big dude. I've stood next to him several times. I'm, I'm taller than him, right? Yeah. But 
if you talk to him and you know him and you're a college athlete, that's a guy that goes, yeah, I was a four-star. And I, I wanted to come here because of the, the fit and the philosophy. And life was amazing here. I just focused on football and school and whatever else I did in my off time. And I got to the NFL that way. You can get more players, in my opinion, just saying, look, you can come here and go to the NFL. Like being oh, yeah. here in this cow town doesn't mean that you can't go to the league. And I think that's something Oregon State needs to do even more. Yeah. Because they're not they're not winning football games yet. So until you do that, you need something to kind of put your foot down and say we're here too. Yeah, and it takes I mean, it definitely takes time to, you know, have that kind of I guess you should say renown. I mean, it's like here's the problem. Oregon State fans right now shouldn't expect, you know, a ten win season. Well, I don't think anybody's expecting that well, that's for like what I'm two saying. or three years. You know, that's what I'm saying. And it takes and even time. that's too soon. And <laughs> even and even getting, you know, super talented players it takes time you know because every once in a while yeah you'll get a three-star you'll get a four-star by the way i've never been big on the star thing i don't even know how they i don't even know how they decide who's a what star right right i think i was like a one star right and like you know a couple of the guys that i went i would go to camps with who were you know three and four stars ended up playing at a smaller school than i did Mm -hmm. or ended up you know and i got to play at a division one pac 12 so that's why i'm trying to understand like I don't understand the stars at all. Angie, maybe you can help me in how they'd figure it out. But um, anyways, what I was saying was it just, I mean, I feel like it's just going to take time with, unless you can get Brandon Cooks to come back (laughs) and Steven Jackson to come back, Chad Johnson to come back, you know, every single time there's a spring game or every single time there's a recruit, I just think it takes time to build that kind of, you know, that kind of renown and relationship with these players. Angie, when was the last time Chad was back? It's been a long time. Yeah, He he tweets about it. They're recruiting his son. They are recruiting his son. So Chad Johnson Jr. is is being recruited right now. He's a, a high level wide receiver. What uh, what throw you... everything into getting that kid? I know. <laughs> just I to, agree. Just to so, get his dad back. Or I mean, I mean, really I've watched good. this film. He's pretty good. Oh, I yeah? mean, he's still young, but I mean, you know, every player needs to develop. But he's, I mean, he's talented, and you, he's really his his footwork is off the charts. I saw. Um, I haven't seen his film. I did see a, a clip on Twitter. Deion Sanders Jr. at a camp, some oh, yeah. high school camp. And it's a, it's this receiver, and the kid's a you know pretty decent sized receiver, and Deion Sanders just looks massive as a cornerback, uh, his kid, and they hike the ball, and he literally grabs drives, him within yeah. five and drives him off the field <laughs> and slams him into a track. Like the kid had no chance. You're just like, golly, that looked illegal. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't. He was just amazing with his technique. Um, and you know what? Chad Johnson Jr. might be a really good player, but just getting his dad back to Corvallis. Oh, yeah. In the same way that Gary Payton uh, Jr. being recruited by Craig Robinson back in the day, people forget, man, like leading into that, guess who was coming back right before his kid came back? Gary Payton yep. Sr. Yeah. Like nobody had, had Gary, Gary Payton had been in Oregon State in a long time. And Craig Robinson was like, why is Gary Payton not at our basketball games? Like Hall of Fame, one of the best point guards of all time. Yeah. And was on the cover of SI and Player of the Year in college basketball, and he's not at our games. So you start recruiting the kid in junior college level, and boom, dad's showing up. Now he's seeing the program. Boom, junior's showing up, and then boom, junior's here, and we're going back to the tournament. So you can benefit from getting a kid who maybe he turns out to be something. Maybe he doesn't do much of anything. But I just think having the sheer fact of Chad Johnson being on the sidelines, I could easily see that happening, him being on ESPN, being interviewed, being back at Oregon State. You know, and that's, that's, you know, that's something that's that I know is, is super important to, to Smith right now is getting those former players back. Um, you know, I, I've heard, you know, this golf tournament, he was so excited that, I mean, 105 former players were back for, you know, this first golf tournament, more than has ever come back for. I mean, I think they were struggling to get 50 in wow. the past few years. Um, and then also getting them back for a game and having an alumni day at a game and opening up the Valley Center and the, and the student or the athlete lounge there in the in the end zone for those kids and you know or they did offer talking of former really good players they offered 2020 wide receiver brendan rice whose dad is jerry rice oh so, hello yes. brendan rice <laughs> i like the sound of that god i yes. need to meet so jerry. Can't, that just happened on thursday so yeah 2020 195 pound four star wide receiver and you get to your points about stars um and this this could be a whole podcast in its own right but right um, you know, the stars, I mean, what I came away from from this meeting in Nashville, it was all the 24-7 staff, is, and one of the one of the huge reasons I had, I had left the, my former home was just the analysts that, that 
we have here at 24-7. And, you know, the Brandon Huffmans, the Blair Angulos, the Greg Biggins of the world that are out there and they go to these, they are at all the camps. They are at all the seven on tournaments. And um, it isn't just some willy-nilly like, oh, I like this kid. He's 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 a good kid. I'm going to give him a four-star, you know. And I, I was talking with, with Brandon Huffman this weekend about some of the local Oregon kids. And there's some local, local media that thinks that these kids are underrated and that they should, you know, be higher ranked mm-hmm. in the, you know, Washington, Oregon area. And you know, Brandon said a lot of these, the local reporters, whether it be in Portland or Seattle or, you know, that just covers that, that one market, that's all they see. So in their eyes, you know, a kid, well, he's a four-star. Well, where the national analysts come into play is they see kids all over the country. Yeah. And, they, you know, they're like, no, that kid's not a four-star. Yeah. Like, you know, that kid's a, a three, maybe. So, um, you know, because they get the they get to compare it, right? They have something to compare it to across the country. So um, it's not, it's never a perfect science, but I think throughout the past, really the past five years, especially, it's really kind of drilled down with all these seven on tournaments and the, those mega camps that are going on where, um, you know, guys can see, these analysts can see, and the the film is so readily available that, um, you know, you're able to see these guys and, you know, kind of rank them. Like I said, not perfect, but, um, you know, when you look at at the draft this year, there's something to be said when, you know, those five stars are getting drafted. Well, and and correct me if I'm wrong. They 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 make the assessment of stars basically at camps, right? Because yeah, how can you do that? Film, during the yeah, because film is just the same way as like you know a local a local reporter trying to right. rate these guys. You have no context of how this guy, you know, he, yeah, he might be killing it for his, for four A whatever, but um, you know, you're comparing these guys to every you know the every Canadian big, counties of yeah. the of the world, you know. So um, it's it's a a way to compare them across well, a wide, a wide swath. I would also too just to kind of jump on the other side here, Marcus. Like, there's no doubt. I think you could probably point out, and a lot of players could point out, like players that maybe have ranked higher than you coming out and accomplished next to nothing. Yeah, or maybe ended up playing at a JC and never caught on at a a Power Five school. To give the recruiting analyst credit here, because um, I was the same way a few years ago. Like, like how do we really know this? You look at the NFL draft. Yeah, definitely. They're right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the yeah. five stars are the highest percentage taken in the <laughs> NFL draft. Like, yeah. the four stars are next. Like, it really breaks down to where their ranking system of these players turns out to be, more often than not, uh, proper. Yeah. Because the NFL, they're they're doing it in college, and then the NFL is going, oh, yeah, I love that kid. He's really good. Five-star athlete coming out of high school. Four-star, et cetera, et cetera. So the percentage is translating from high school to the league. They do seem to be getting it right more often than not, but there's no doubt you can give plenty of examples. Oh, of you players can give plenty. Yeah, but a like, lot of like the stars right now are you know some, like the five star now. A, a lot of what makes that five star special is he is so much more developed. I mean, he is ready for college right, right. now. The body, Five, yeah. everything, speed, yeah. everything. Yeah, Whereas definitely. you know other guys need some development, and 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 then you can never like put a price tag on like work ethic. I mean. One of them, I mean, two-star athlete, like no, very few offers, no big offers except for Oregon State, James Rogers. It, I have never, ever, ever in my life seen a kid that worked so hard, mm-hmm. you know, to, to master his craft and want to be better and be faster and stronger. Um, so those kind of things you can't always measure. And then you can't measure, you know, there are those four-stars that think they can just come in and I'm, you know, I'm, I don't want to say, Brendan Rice's name has popped up here, but, right. you know, I'm basically the shit and... I'm the best, and they get knocked down a peg or two, and they can never really recover. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's that's just the main thing that I guess that's the way I would that I would look at it as being a former player. You know, is that you, sometimes you get these players who are super highly rated. You know, maybe they're the best player in whatever state they come from. Then they show up, and you know, and they and they really have that mentality that they don't need to work because they already have right. everything. And so, I guess that's really where I look at it. And like I said, not every player is like that, and. I should never say every player is like that. You know, there's five stars who who work their ass off, and then that's why right. you know that's why they make it to the NFL. Sure, you know, and then there's walk-ons who don't work hard, and then that's why they get cut. It's I mean, it's it's the same thing. It's just I've always been like curious about the stars, just because. Oh, you, I, you're naturally a little jaded. I don't blame yeah, you for yeah. that. Um, and it's you know, I don't know what what the reason is, but some players just don't get that invite to certain camps, and other players get the easy in and. You know, they get the opportunity to show, hey, I'm a four-star athlete, while other players have to, like James Rogers uh, or anybody else that worked hard out there, two-star athlete, not getting any f- fame and accolades, and yeah. boom, there you go. He yeah. he works his way in and gets that opportunity and shows that, hey, I shouldn't have been a two-star. I should have been a four- or five-star the way my talent was. 
Um, so that's there's no doubt that that happens a lot. Is there anything else we we missed that we didn't want, we want to talk about? Something we wanted to get to for this one? I was trying to think. Because hmm. we talked about quarterbacks, we yeah. talked about running backs, we talked about um, the defense about, a little bit. We didn't talk about the defensive line. Yeah, see, that's I was I was just gonna say I want to know what you got. I mean, my my big takeaways from spring camp are mm-hmm. that I'm still concerned very much so with the offense and defensive line. See if. Um, <laughs> And that would lead me to believe we're not going to have a great season. Because uh, <laughs> we had those same questions when Gary Anderson was here. And, you know, we, we look, full discretion here, totally bought in last year with Gary Anderson said, four win season, it's going to go to six. We're going to a bowl game. Let's do this. There should have been questions and concerns with both lines last year. And I think we had them, but we didn't really address them enough. Yeah. And because of their deficiencies in those areas, and not having really a solid quarterback situation, you have like a one-win season. And uh, it doesn't leave you feeling positive. And if we're having those same problems this year, you could have a new coach, you could have a new scheme. Why is it going to change, though, if your offensive line's struggling and your defensive line's getting no pressure? Yeah, I just I just feel like with the defensive line, I just feel like they didn't. The problem is, is that they didn't. They haven't developed through the years. Mm-hmm. So it's like the same guys when I got there or when I was there, are still doing the same thing, you know. Now and that's the problem. You know, you always have to develop your game, um, whatever that may be. Like an example for a running back, I was I was horrid, and I, I mean absolutely terrible. Probably the worst on the team when I first got there at Pass Pro. Mm-hmm. I I, did, I had no idea how to do it. Yeah, just because in high school I never had to. You know, I was always the guy with the ball, but. And that's the thing. I just started developing, developing, developing. And throughout the years, I got a lot better at pass pro and then ended up being, you know, one of the better ones at pass pro. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to see from the defensive line, whether you're not good with your hands, whether you're not explosive off the line, whatever that may be. I want to see I wanted to see them develop step by step. And I understand it takes time because it always does. But right. And it's not always on the coaching staff. You know, I feel like that's the thing. A lot of people look at it and say it's just on the coaching staff. At the end of the day, it's on the player. You know, I was waking up with uh, in the morning with Kieran Yancey, Jalen Bailey, you know, and us three were probably the worst at pass pro. And we would go out and we would work on pass pro for hours on end. And that's how we got better. And I'm not sure if the defensive line is doing that right now. And I feel like that's what I want them. That's what I want to see from them just because I don't think they understand how big of an impact they really have. You know, like, yeah, maybe you can, you know, maybe you don't get pushed back two yards. But if you're not penetrating, then what are you going to do? You know, you're just standing there taking up space. And as a running back, if a defensive lineman's just standing there taking up space, that's easy. That's a two-way go. You can just decide where you want to go, left or right. Mm-hmm. Whatever, what, you know, whatever that may be, I just want to see them develop. And I just want to see them put in the extra work because I think that's really what they need. What do you think, Angie? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that's I, I'm right there. I mean, we just we have seen that lack of explosion from the D line for several years now, um, whether it's them coming in out of shape or just that explosion, that nastiness. So um, I want to see that. And um, offensive line, there, there's pieces there. You know, you gotta love Gus Lavaca. I don't think he had a, a strong a year last year. I do think this new with Coach Mahalchek, I, I do think we see a, a ton of improvement with those guys this year. Um, but those were just you know. Those are the two kind of red, red circled areas, and I agree. And you know, as far as expectations go, I I don't really have any expectations set in stone about wins and losses. But yeah, I want to see improvement. I want to see these guys. You know, I want to be able to go to a game and watch it and be like, hey, they look like they know what they're doing. It, it's starting to click. They're they're looking like a football team because that didn't happen last year. I'm um I'm a pretty big uh I want to go experience things guy. Like I I think going to Columbus and the shoe would be awesome just to see the stadium, the festivities, the band on the field cuz I I did that in Nebraska and it was it was great and the game ended up being really good, but I want to go to Columbus. I've yet to buy my ticket and I actually I'm I'm debating mentally if I really want to do that. And the reason I say that is because I think it would be great to experience Columbus and see that stadium. I can't imagine the feeling I would have walking out knowing my team just lost by 50 points. And they may not lose by 50. Maybe it's 35 nothing or whatever. They're going to lose that game. Like there's no debating <laughs> if that if they can pull it. That that's a loss. But like it's one thing to have a good experience, it's another to say, "Oh, that stadium was awesome." And then the game starts, and you're down 45-3 to three in the third quarter. Like, at some point, that's just not enjoyable. 
and I don't want to spend all this money, go over there and go, oh, yeah, I'm so excited, and then watch my team do nothing. And I'm expecting that. So that's why I've been hesitant to buy a ticket and to get ready to go to that game. And I'm, I, I'm in the same boat because, if, you know, people are, you know, you're going, aren't you? And I, I don't want to go. I mean, this sounds awful, but I don't want to go. I know. I want to go, but I know they're not going to compete. I just want, I just want, that's the thing. I just want to see them compete. If they, if they at least, you know, they compete and that you could tell that they're not going to be as bad as they were last year, sure. then I would feel so much better. Because, I mean, yeah. let's be real. Ohio State is a great program, and that's, you know, they're one of the best. Probably the second best in the yeah, country exactly. right now. exactly. And so, you know, when you're walking in there after a 1-11 season, you know, obviously not many people are going to think you're going to win or even stand a chance or right. even compete. But right. as long as they compete and show that they've developed from last year, I am 100% okay with that. Then where's your exactly. where's your confidence level that that can happen? Because mine's at maybe 3%. <laughs> and well, I, 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 I don't mean that to be a knock yeah. on the coaching staff yeah. or – the uh, indication that this program will not take the necessary steps with Jonathan Smith. It's just the reality of the roster. Yeah. And coming off a 1-11 season, you can build some kids up mentally, right, with the confidence and whatnot when you come in and change things. It's another when you get on the field, and you can feel good in practice, but, man, you storm into Columbus, and you see that Ohio State color and those flags rolling, and those Buckeyes get on the field, and now, boom, you're down 28 nothing. You are right back where you were mentally last year when you were getting beaten down by Minnesota in the pouring rain. Yeah. I, it's just, and I mean, I've been in games where, I mean, like UCLA, I think it was three years ago when we lost. I think it was like 40 nothing, And it was. That game was ugly. It was the worst game I've probably ever been a part of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, that's what, and we didn't even compete was the thing. That's all I want to see is at least, like if the defensive line got a sack, I'm like, Okay, this is what I'm talking about. You're, I can live with that. The barometer is a sack. <laughs> no, no, I'm just throwing that out. But honestly, no. If they get a sack, if I am one, so ecstatic with like, that. I'm happy if they get a sack. <laughs> no, I just really, like, a, being 100% honest, as right, long as right, they compete right. and as long as they, um, you know, and the summertime is a great time for a lot of a lot of position groups and a lot of players to really develop, and that's, you know, and like we, like I said, it's not all on the coaching staff. Like if Oregon State wants to be great, because I guarantee you, Alabama players are going out there and do. And you the know, players have to want to be yeah, just they, as great, if yeah, not yeah. greater, you than the coaching staff. You know, you no can't doubt. just say we're going to be better. Yeah. We're going to be better. And I think that was a problem last year. Was you know everyone was expecting them to be better, mm-hmm. and Coach Anderson was expecting them to be better, and I was expecting them to be better, and everything. And then right. when it came down to it, yeah, you know we beat the Ducks. What was it two years ago? And that was a great game. And I was you know glad I can be a part of it. But after that, it kind of felt like everyone was like, okay. They just you know, expected it to be yeah, like to yeah. come to them versus working even more and saying, let's build on that. You know, exactly. What I mean? And I yeah. mean, we, and that, that's what, that's why we got those was because we had someone like, like Marcus McMurray who would text us all at 7 a.m. on a Saturday or call us, but hey, let's go. We got to go throw. We got to go do this. We got to go do that. Mm-hmm. And at the time, you know, I was like, Marcus, quit texting me, bro. Like, I just want to sleep. But that's what you need. And yeah. that's why we got better. And so until. You know, either someone on the offensive line, defensive line, will, you know, be the leader and and hit up his players and all the rest of his teammates and say, hey, we got to go out and do these drills. We got to go out and do this. I mean, I've already seen, you know, certain players when I would go back to Corvallis. I see, I look up in the stands. I'm like, what is that dude doing? And we got we got Hamaka Rashid running the stairs on his own in like one of those elevation masks at like <laughs> 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's what I want to see. And that's what I want a player to do. And, like, stuff like that doesn't go unnoticed. I told him, like, man, if you keep doing that kind of stuff, like, like that's how you get great. And that's what – And that, But that stuff's contagious then with the team too, right? Yeah. You know, you're a competitor and you're, like, you're a linebacker and you're, like, well, cars out there doing, you know, well, I, I, I want a spot. I'm going to – you know, and then you get key out there and you get, you know, you get guys following suit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what they need. And I feel like yeah. it, will, it will come with time, but that's only if they, that's only if they really want it. Because at the end of the day, they're the only ones who can make who, who can flip the switch. You know, the coaches right, can right. give you everything that you need, but at the end of the day, if you want to be a good football program, your players best be bought in because yeah. that's how it that's how it really is. Seems odd too. Um, we don't have to dive into this too much, but like it seems odd that that didn't happen under Gary Anderson. You know, I, I look. I'm I'm coming from a place of not being in that building and not being in those meetings and not being at every practice. Um, so I'm an outside perspective, and there's no doubt I am misinformed on a lot of stuff. But I think that's what the biggest surprise was, right? Was 
you don't win all the games. I think Gary expected that too, though. Right, and and I I don't know if that's maybe. Um, it, I mean, it has to be to some extent a slight on him as a coach, which is maybe what kind of broke where he was, like just kind of broke him mentally because what he went through off the field, um, that's a whole other conversation. But he clearly mentally was not in the right space where he once was, right? So what what broke him? What led him to that? And I think maybe that was it, was he looked around his coaching staff and he was nothing but disappointed. He was putting in more work, he probably felt like, than everybody else. And then he, he translates to his players, too. His players aren't in there, and he's going on radio interviews saying, we, we squatted collectively 9,000 pounds. What does that mean, though? He's like, well, I don't really know what it means. Okay, so he thinks his, his players are working hard, when in reality, they just really weren't. Like, going to your lift weight, uh, lift, uh, weightlifting uh, sessions doesn't mean that you're putting in the maximum amount of work off the field, right? It, it, it requires stairs. It requires film watch. It requires guys to text and say, Let's go do this right now, even though nobody's telling us to. And I think he thought that naturally was happening. Yeah. And then he goes on the field and his guys are getting his ass, their asses kicked. And you're like, oh, it's not going how he thought it was. And you both the coaching and player level. pounds, but you're still going home eating Skittles, watching movies every right. night. Right, 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 right. So your legs are getting stronger, but you're not doing the necessary things yep. to make your body better. You know, McDonald's at 2 a.m. after you've gone to the bar. It's like, uh, yeah. you know, some people, and it's okay to have this lifestyle choice. Some people are naturally just happy being the chubby guy with the big gut, but they go to the gym and they're getting gains and lifting. They're getting stronger, but yeah. their body's not really changed. Some people are okay with that. But I feel like in football, you need to be the person that's aiming, like let's say a receiver or running back. All right, I'm squatting 150 pounds more than I was a year and a half ago. But now instead when I go home, I'm not getting that uh, chocolate chip and ice cream. I'm eating an apple or I'm yeah. eating oranges, you know, making the necessary lifestyle changes. And I think that's everything. And, and then being the leader, like, like Marcus said, about, you know, being that guy that's calling guys up on a Saturday morning, you know, let, instead of going to the broken yoke, let's right. go run stairs. Right, right, right. Or let's do it together. Friday night. And look, this is not happening at every program. Most of these programs, in fact, it's the other way. But when you're at Oregon State and you want to prove to everybody that they're wrong about you, hey, Friday night, let's not go to this big party. Let's study film for an hour and a half and let's get some sleep and then let's wake up super early and put in some work tomorrow. Like, this is this is just the truth, man. Like, I was around a lot of those really good Oregon State teams during Riley's era, and not every one of them. Like, I got plenty of party stories from certain players, but you, you, there were some guys you just didn't see, you know, or you would see them at a party at, like, 11 o'clock and they were out by 11 30 yeah because exactly. they're going to bed yeah. and and i know that can even sound late to some people out there i'm a father i get that but you got to think back college years like dang you're going home you're square yeah where a lot of kids are staying out till 2 a.m and then they're they're bouncing i know players that were really good contributors to oregon state's run there and they're out at 11 o'clock 11 30 11 o'clock at night they're done they're they're in their bed they're at their apartment and you just you need that culture shift and that's what i think Jonathan Smith has to implement, man. He's got to implement this need and this want for lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's no other way around it. Um, I think every one of us can relate to this. You know, I I'm I'm someone who likes to run a lot and train for different things, and I you know I don't get anything out of it other than the euphoric high of accomplishing something. But to accomplish those goals, you have to make a lifestyle change and. You got to eat more vegetables and you got to stop eating chips and all this other crap. It's the same thing in sports, man. You you want to be this underdog program that takes that step. You got to do things that other programs, unfortunately, they don't have to do because, well, they just have more God-gifted talent than you. Yeah, exactly. So you got to yeah. work hard. You got to want it more. And that's that. I think that's a huge thing that brought me to Oregon State because... You know, like we've said, Oregon Oregon football talent is not the best in the world. We all know that, and that was the thing in high school. I mean, I remember like it was that's how it is for every player at Oregon or not Oregon State. Every player that plays Division One, you were you know you were the best player mm-hmm. by far. Like you were way more developed, you were better right. in everything, and so because there's only like fourteen to maybe twenty scholarships given out, so yeah. right, you got to stand out and be exactly. In that group. <laughs> and that's the thing. So when you like when you're that good, it's hard to it's hard to find that mentality when you get to you know Oregon State that you know I have to work harder than everyone else and being like when I when coach Riley was like yeah you know you're going to be a preferred walk on like we just don't have a scholarship for you 
I ha- I that's a chip on your shoulder. Like right. you should have that, and Oregon State should have that chip on their shoulder right now. That people re- like Oregon State is not very good right now. We all know that, but you should you should have a chip on your shoulder. Like you should be up every day at six a.m. watching film or running or lifting or doing something, because then when it comes season time, and you're playing a team that you shouldn't beat, and you just and you just blow them out of the water. Mm-hmm. Like that should be. Like that's that's a feeling that every player should want, and I just feel like they don't want that right now. Mm-hmm. And I think Jonathan Smith is going to flip that. I really do. But like we said, it's not always on the coaching staff. And I've you know I've heard it in practice. You know, after practice, they're saying you better go watch film, or you better go do this, you better go do that. Because if not, what are you going to do? You're going to get the same results, right? And so I think when the players decide to flip it, that's when it'll be flipped. Yeah, yeah. You got to want to get out of the gutter. So you're not going to the Ohio State game, Angie. I don't think so. No. Is there any chance you change your mind on that? Um, I don't know. My husband wants to go. Oh, yeah. Well, if Eric Take, wants yeah, to go, Eric wants to go. Happening. Angie, if you don't want to go, I'll go with Eric. <laughs> okay. Guy trip. Marcus and Eric. What? Why do I? I mean, oh, I want to go and experience it as a fan. Yeah. Like go and be go and and not go and be in the press box. Oh, and, screw the press box! You yeah. can't go to that game and go to the press box. That's the yeah. worst experience. What I feel like I'm picturing right now. Uh, I'm picturing Angie going, yeah, I'm not going to do it. And then I'm picturing the next scene being Marcus and Eric in the Dumb and Dumber hot tub, the lover's hot tub in some hotel. Like, well, this is the room we got to stay in. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, we'll see. I'm sure other beat fans are going to go no matter what, and that's awesome. I I may still go. I may change my mind. I really want to. Um, I mean, mean, if I don't go. I see LeBron James. No, I won't. I'm doing a a big party, a big viewing party, and we're going to, you know. There you go. There's another option. I just, oh. how often, like, they, they may never go to Ohio State again in my lifetime. So this might be my chance to go to that stadium. You and better just go, man. Take in the ambiance. I mean, I know you're I know you're a dad. You got a family. Just bring them too. Just throw no, some. No, no, no. That's too expensive. Throw, I ditched oh. them when I went to Nebraska. <laughs> I flew solo dolo. I thought that was, I, I I thought see, that was the reason. That like, that, no, you didn't want to leave your family. All, all the, three, the, the fearsome threesome. There. All three of us staying in a oh. two bed hotel. Yep. Sorry, Marcus. You're the youngest bed. one. You got to sleep on the floor, bud. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe I'm going to stay home. And then Marcus, Angie, maybe I'm just going to go to your watch. Your Marcus is going to okay, take this go. as uh, what's that uh, boar rat? He's going to take it too far. I'm like, we're going to wrestle for this naked. <laughs> what? <laughs> Marcus well, made got, it weird. You will not catch me <laughs> doing that. But I mean, if we got to like, oh, uh, we got to wrestle. I mean, I'm not much of a wrestler. If we got to play one on one in basketball. Oh, I thought. I, oh, I thought you were going to pull out the golf. That's what I say. I love how in part totally one we forgot. went we Let's, went from golf to basketball. We can go now. golf. We can go basketball. We can play chess. We can play basketball. That could be fun. Okay, this podcast has gone completely off the rails. I know yes. it really has. Um, yeah, we went way over the time I wanted to spend on it, but you know what? I thought it was a good conversation. It I was. thought we addressed everything we needed to address. I just had to throw in there that I'm the better golfer, but we can keep going. Anyways, keep going. You can't make claims unless you play somebody. And I'm the better running back. Right there, you go. <laughs> well, I don't know. You might, you might be. You, you never know. Uh, I do appreciate Rolovich. The hashtags he put out there: lazy. What did he say? Lazy dam, sloppy beavers. Leaky dam. Leaky, Leaky dam. dam, sloppy beavers. Which, by the way, if you googled that hashtag, it probably is very inappropriate work. So don't do it. <laughs> um, but okay, is there anything else we want to get to? No, we need to do these podcasts more often, though. Okay, yes. I agree with that. Um, check out Angie and uh, Marcus. Beaverblitz.com is the website, 24-7 network. And then you can check out the radio show, Dirt and Sprague, noon to 3 on 1080 The Fan. Um, and then Marcus is also now here at The Fan as well. Hey. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If we missed anything, tweet us, let us know. We'll get to the next podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon on the next edition of The Damn Podcast.